In Samaria, he came to a town named Sychar, which was not far from the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by the trip, sat down by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw some water. Give me a drink of water. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. So how can you ask me for a drink? Jews will not use the same cups and bowls that Samaritans use. If you only knew what God gives, then who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would ask him. And he would give you a life-giving water. Sir, you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get that life-giving water? It was our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well. He and his children and his flocks all drank from it. You don't claim to be greater than Jacob, do you? Those who drink this water will get thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring which will provide them with life-giving water and give them eternal life. Sir, give me that water. Then I will never be thirsty again. Nor will I have to come here to draw water. Go and call your husband and come back. I don't have a husband. You are right when you say you don't have a husband. You have been married to five men and the man you live with now is not really your husband. You have told me the truth. You are a prophet, sir. My Samaritan ancestors worshipped God on this mountain. But you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we should worship God. Believe me, woman. The time will come when people will not worship the Father either on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not really know whom you worship. But we Jews know whom we worship because it is from the Jews that salvation comes. But the time is coming and is already here when by the power of God's Spirit people will worship the Father as he really is offering him the true worship that he wants God is Spirit and only by the power of his Spirit can people worship him as he really is I know that the Messiah will come and when he comes he will tell us everything I am he, I who am talking with you. At that moment, Jesus' disciples returned, and they were greatly surprised to find him talking with a woman. But none of them said to her, what do you want? Or asked him, why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the town. who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? So they left the town and went to Jesus. In the meantime, the disciples were begging Jesus, Teacher, have something to eat. But he answered, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. 
So the disciples started asking among themselves, could somebody have brought him food? My food is to obey the will of the one who sent me and to finish the work he gave me to do. You have a saying, four more months and then the harvest. But I tell you, take a good look at the fields. The crops are now ripe and ready to be harvested. The one who reaps the harvest is being paid and gathers the crops for eternal life. So the one who plants and the one who reaps will be glad together. For the saying is true. Someone plants, someone else reaps. I have sent you to reap the harvest in a field where you did not work. Others work there. And you profit from their work. Many of the Samaritans in that town believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they begged him to stay with them. And Jesus stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his message, and they told the woman, we believe now, not because of what you said, but because we ourselves have heard him, and we know that he really is the savior of the world. Amen. I wanted, to, I wanted you to get a, a, a visual picture of, of what John was describing in chapter 4 of his gospel. And, and for the next couple of weeks, I, I want you to get a picture of really what missions is, is all about. And what I love about this story with the Samaritan woman that Jesus has this encounter with, it, it's, I believe it's one of the most incredible stories about missions and what missions is all about. I, but I, I think we get this picture of, of missions because we're, we're looking around the sanctuary. We have all our, our posters up and I want to thank Julie Mestink and her crew and, and, and our missions committee for just doing a great job. This is a, always a, a, a busy time in January for them, and I appreciate all their help putting all the posters up around the church. And, and we look around, and I think we get this, this image of, uh, of missions as a, a missionary coming in. We support them, which is wonderful. Our church always does a great job with supporting missionaries and giving them offerings and allowing them to get on the field. And I think that's, that's part of, of, of what we do here uh, with missions at our church. At the core value of Living Word is missions, and we want you to be part of that. And, 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 and you're always very, very gracious in the way you supply the needs of our missionaries. But I also want you to realize that missions is more than just sending someone to the mission field or going to Central America on a, on a missions trip. I want you to realize this story epitomizes what missions is all about. And, and, and what I want you to start to think in your minds is, is missions is not some side thing that we emphasize once a year. I want you to realize that, that our lives need to be missional. Everything we do needs to be on a mission. I, I want your life, I want you to look at your life differently from now on. I want you to realize that your life is a mission, that you're on a mission, that it's more than just waking up in the morning and, and going to school if you're a young person or going to your job and, 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 and punching in the clock from nine to five and then, and then going about the rest of your week and then maybe coming to church and that's your spiritual life is part of that. I want you to realize that Jesus has called you to go on a mission, that every single day God calls you on a mission. That's your calling. Your calling 
is, is not your job. Your, your calling ultimately is not to be a parent. All those things are great. We need to do those well. But your ultimate job that, that Christ calls us to is to be missional. And, and I want to look at that today because what we're going to see here with, with Jesus in, in John chapter 4 is Jesus shows us, and he's, he's really, what he's doing, if, if you kind of caught the gist of it, he's really setting an example for the disciples because the disciples really weren't concerned about what was going on in people's lives. They were more concerned about their tummies, getting food in their tummies, right? We're going to go find food. And, and Jesus was on a mission. He was more concerned with the spiritual lives of the people of Samaria. And so what, I, what, what my prayer for you is that, is that Christ would challenge you to realize that every single day your life is on a mission, that he's called you to be missional. And so we're going to break that down. And what does that mean? And, and what I want you to realize is when we begin to get this mindset that my life is on mission, that, that, that Christ desires me to be missional in everything I do, your life becomes much more exciting. Because now you're going to be looking for opportunities to share and to live out the gospel message in this world. God does not want us just to come together and worship together and let that just be it. He wants your life to be on a mission so that everything you do, every place you go, on the back of your mind is, God, you're using me in this certain situation and circumstances to be used by you. And so a missionary, as much as they lay their life down and they go somewhere else, which is wonderful, and God has called them to do that, God has called all of us and our part of the world to be used by him to share the greatest message that the world will ever hear or know of, and that's a Savior came to save us from our sins. Amen? So what I want to do is I want to look at this because I want you to see how Jesus was uh, just the way he looked at this situation and, and how he used it to give glory to God and show this woman um, uh, who truly the Savior was. So, so I, I want you to look at it this way. I, I want you to ask yourself this question. Um, uh, am I doing missions? And, and I, am I looking for ways to reach into the lives of people? And so Jesus' encounter with this Samaritan is probably, I believe, one of the greatest examples of what a mission-minded person should look like. So that's my heart for you today is that, is that God would create in you a, a, a mission's heart to be mission-minded in everything you do. So how do I become missional in my life? How, how does my life revolve around this mission of going into this world and allowing God to use everything that, that he's given me for his glory? How do I become missional? Well, I just want to give you four things here that we see in John chapter 4 of, of how to become missional and how Jesus was missionals, missionals. So if you're taking notes, you can just write these down. Let me give you the first one here. Jesus was missional in the way that he was intentional. Jesus was missional in the way he was intentional. Jesus was intentional about everything he did. Now you say, well, pastor, what does that mean? It wasn't by accident that Jesus went through Samaria. John 4.4 4 tells us that he had to pass through 
Samaria. This was actually part of God's sovereign plan. Now, this was the shortest route from Jerusalem to get up to Galilee. Going through Samaria was the shortest route. So you may think, well, what's the big deal? He had to go that way anyways. Not so. Because the word had there in the original language indicates the meaning to be necessary, which always means a divine necessity, as evident in the rest of the Gospel of John. See, it was more than just convenience. Jesus wanted to show his disciples that there was something more there. Because for the Jew, they would pass around Samaria. And for this reason, there was huge tensions between the Samaritans and the Jews. For the Jews, they would look at the Samaritans as a racially mixed group, part Jew, part Gentile. And to come in contact with them would mean they would become ceremonially unclean. That's why Jesus asking for a cup of water from the woman was surprising to her because she understood the social context between a Jew meeting up with a Samaritan. And so the tensions between the Jews and Samaritans ran very high. And so most Jews would walk around Samaria so that they would never come in contact with a Samaritan. This would be compared to the racial tensions during the 50s and the 60s. But here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus didn't avoid the mess. In fact... Jesus went right into the mess. Not only did Jesus go through this hotbed of of racial tension, but he asked a woman for a drink. In verse 7 of John 4, he he asked the woman of Samaria to, to come draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And so Jesus took the initiative. So listen, Jesus not only initiated going through Samaria, but he initiated this conversation with this woman. Now, let me give you another cultural thing here, put it into cultural context. Not only in that culture did men not talk to women, but Jesus breaks the cultural and traditions to even speak to this woman. See, what I love about Jesus is he goes right into the community because he knows that the need is much bigger than the tension culturally. Are you tracking with me? Listen, we've divided ourselves over the dumbest things in our culture because of cultural mores and cultural tensions. And Jesus says, you know what? It doesn't matter because Jesus was intentional. He saw something greater here. He didn't care about the tension or he didn't care how he would look or be perceived because he knew that there was something greater here. Jesus knew that this woman needed something. And Jesus knew that the only way to break down these uh, walls and this tension was to go right into the mess. Listen, listen to me, people. Follow me here. Some of us here, including myself, sometimes we say, you know what? I don't even want to go into that mess because I don't want to get involved. I don't want to go into that. That is too messy. And, 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 and we begin to play God. We begin to say, well, God, I don't really know if you can really minister into this situation because this situation is too far gone. It, it's, it's too far removed. So I'm not even going to go into this mess because, because it's just too far gone. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to go into this mess 
I know all the tensions. I know all, all the cultural problems and all the issues here. But Jesus was intentional. He didn't care. And he went right into the mess and ministered to this woman and ministered to a community. And so the way we're going to be missional is that we have to be intentional about everything we do. We just can't do things haphazardly. We have to say, God, you're, you're, this, when you wake up in the morning, be intentional. Say, God, you open the doors for me to be used by you today. Whatever situation comes my way, whatever messy situation may come my way, allow me to be intentional. Allow me to be proactive, to realize that you want to use me. Because people, listen, we're all the same here. We're all in the same boat, including myself. We get so caught in a rut in our daily lives that we become desensitized to the needs around us because we just do the same thing over and over and over again, right? Right? I mean, I was thinking about this morning when I was, when I was driving in to the church and, and I, I got thinking to myself, I go down Ridge Road probably eight zillion times a year and I got thinking to myself, I'm driving down, I go, did they take down the decorations? Because I never really noticed that. The 8 million times I drive down. I drove down and said, no, they didn't take down the decorations. How many times I've driven by here the last week and not even noticed it's a decorations? Because I've come, I become mundane to it. I become numb to it because it's there for so long. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you still have your Christmas trees in your house. Take it down now, okay? It's time to take it down, okay? I know it's pretty. I know it's nice. It's over, okay? Christmas is done. It's over. Take it down. We just took ours down the other day. Okay, so anyways... Listen, Jesus was intentional. He, here's, here's the next thing I want you to see. Write this down. How was Jesus missional? Well, Jesus was missional in the way he cared for lost people. Jesus was missional in the way he cared for lost people. Jesus looked beyond the racial tension. He looked beyond... Uh, uh, who this person was, her being a woman, and all the traditions and, and all the cultural tensions that were there, and he reached out to her. Listen, I want you to understand something about Jesus. Jesus cares for people. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to do what? To die for this world, right? To give his life. So we understand that, that Jesus loves people. He loves lost people. You cannot have a relationship with someone and simply not care about what they care about. You can't. There's no way that you can have a relationship with someone and not care about what they care about. Now, I have a daughter. She's, she's 12, and uh, she's the youngest of our three kids. And um, I never knew what an American doll was until I had a daughter. Can, can I get an amen from some of you parents, husbands out there? Okay. Um, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about Thomas the Tank Engine until I had two boys who loved choo-choo trains. Now, they're older and, and they're teenagers now, and so they don't play with Thomas. I do once in a while, but they don't because um, I think it's really cool. Um, I, all of a sudden, the things they cared about, all of a sudden, I started caring about. So, so here's the funny thing. When I see a girl with an... I know America... I can see American doll girls a mile away because I've had to take a mortgage out of my house to pay for them. But anyways, uh, uh, 
I, when I see a girl walking in a church with an American doll, I can tell it's an American doll because normally girls, you, you, you wear the same things. They, they sell like you can get American doll dress, and then the little girl can wear the same one. So when you see a girl walking in with the same dress as her doll, usually it's an American doll. And I, and I know the dolls. I mean, I can oh, you got the Bitty Twins. Oh, that's cool. You got Caroline. Oh, that's nice. Let's talk about it. Where'd you get that? Isn't that nice? You get that for, and we'll have a little conversation because... I know things about American dolls. I, Thomas the Tank Engine. I, I, know, I know who Thomas is. I know who Percy is. I know who Edward is. I know Henry. I know James. I know Sir Topham Hatt. And I know Mean Diesel 10. <laughs> I used to love Wesley. I'm going to embarrass Wesley. He's, I won't do it in the second service, but I can do it in the first because he's not here. But um, Wesley, my 15-year-old, he loved Thomas the Tank Engine. And he would just get on that thing. And then, and then I would be Mean Diesel 10. I said... I'm going to get you, Thomas, with Mean Diesel 10. And, and, and then he said, no, Mean Diesel 10. Don't come near me, Mean Diesel 10. And we would just play, you know, and I loved being the, the devil. I mean, mean, D, mean Diesel 10. I like being the, 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 the mean guy. Now, now, now when I um, started dating Kathleen, uh, Kathleen, if you guys remember, she dressed very preppy. And when, um, when I met Kathleen, I was the T-shirt hoodie guy. And, and pink polo shirts were so far off my radar and docksiders, you wouldn't believe it. And all of a sudden, I started dating Kathleen, and I noticed that she was very preppy. So I started wearing docksiders and pink polo shirts, and I've never looked back. Now, I got the prettiest girl in youth group. Okay, some of you single guys, you need to start writing this down right now. Okay, you start writing this down. Some of you guys need to get a girlfriend. Okay, you need to write this down. This is how you do it. Okay, um, and so all of a sudden, the things that she cared about are some of the things that I cared about. Here, here's the thing I want you to realize. Here's the thing: if 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 you really care for somebody, really care for somebody, you begin to care for the things that they care about. And see, Jesus wanted his disciples to understand something here, that, that this is more than just a woman who you weren't supposed to talk to. This is more than just a Samaritan. What Jesus was paving the way for was the gospel message. Are you hearing me? That the gospel message is not, is not a respecter of person, race, creed, religious background. It, it doesn't matter. And so what Jesus was doing, he's paving the way of saying the people matter. And if, if people matter, then it needs to matter to you because it, it matters to me because I'm going to give my life for people. And so we need to care about the things that Jesus cares about. So what Jesus was doing for his disciples was showing them that people matter, that ultimately the souls of people matter. Not their background, not their race, not their ethnic background. It's people. People matter to God. And if they matter to Jesus, then they need to matter to us. And, and see, if I'm going to truly be missional, then, then I've got to look beyond people and what they do and the dumb things people do, right? We all do dumb things, right? And it's just irritating sometimes. And, and I think sometimes we look at what people do and we don't look at the people who Jesus died for. 
Okay, that was a good spot for an amen. That's okay. See, I want you to realize here, it's souls that Jesus died for. And I know that people irritate you. They irritate me too. And I can sometimes pick and choose who, who, who can hear the gospel message and who shouldn't. But Jesus says, listen, I'm no respecter of person. I died for their soul. They need to hear the message regardless. Regardless. Shouldn't everybody have a chance and an opportunity to hear a clear presentation of what Jesus Christ did for them? Now, that's up to them what they do with it. But everyone has a right to do that because Jesus died for souls. And thank God he saved me and you by his grace. Amen. Thank God for his grace. So Jesus was missional in the way he cares for souls, for people. Jesus was missional in the way he was intentional. And Jesus was missional in the way he went beyond what was comfortable. Now, this is where it gets hard for every, and I'm in this boat with every single one of you. This is where it gets hard. Jesus was missional in the way he went beyond what was comfortable. At all times, and many times, we can get pushed out of our comfort zones. We hate, let's be honest, we hate to be uncomfortable. We we don't want to look foolish. And what Jesus does is, Jesus cares so much for this woman, for this woman's soul, that he goes beyond the comfort zone here. He, He goes beyond talking about the weather and sports and small talk, and he gets to a spiritual issue with this woman, doesn't he? He could have easily just, oh, isn't it hot out here? Can you give me a drink of water? It's just hot. And what Jesus does here, he gives an example of how he changes, uh, let's talk about the weather, and he changes the conversation to a spiritual conversation and gets this woman thinking about her spiritual life and about what living water is, and about the Messiah. He, he, he does a great way of just, whoop, change the conversation and begins to talk about things that are spiritual. I like what he says here in verse 9 and 10 of John 4. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for me a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God... And who is it that is saying to you, give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Which all of a sudden perked her interest. She started asking questions like, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? And what Jesus did was this. This was brilliant. Jesus contextualized the gospel message into this, at a well site of drinking water. He took what was common and turned it into a spiritual conversation with this woman. This was, this was amazing. Jesus used this occasion of drinking water and turns it into a spiritual conversation. Now, how do you do that? Because I know for some of us, changing a common conversation and then turning it into a, a spiritual conversation is, is difficult for a lot of us to walk out of our, to, to just branch out of our comfort zone. Let, let me just give you a couple questions here that you can ask people because these are just great spiritual conversations that you can just ask with people and see where they are spiritually. Here's the thing I want to tell you about this. When you get into spiritual conversations with people, I love what Jesus did. Jesus asked questions. Do you know? Do you know this? Did you know this? 
And, and then what it allowed the woman to do was to answer the question. He wasn't preaching at her and telling her, listen, you're going to hell without a savior, okay? Think, nice talking to you. I'll talk to you later. I'm out of here, right? He didn't do that. He opened up this dialogue and allowed her to think about these questions. So the best thing you can do when you're dealing with somebody and asking spiritual questions is ask questions. Just simply ask them some questions. Here's some good questions that you can ask. Do you know what happens after you die? Let, let, him, let him talk. It's, it's funny. When you allow people to talk, they, they'll dig their own ditches. They, they'll, they'll dig themselves into their own hole. You don't have to argue. You, you, many people think, well, I don't know what to say. If they say this. But listen, let people talk long enough, okay? And they'll reveal their ignorance or whatever it is. They'll reveal what's there. Just, just let them let them talk. Let them, let, them, let them work it out. Ask them questions like, have you ever thought about eternity? Or... Do you know for sure where you would go after you die? Just let him. And see, when you let him ask questions, then, then you can bring yourself into this and say, you know what? I had the same questions. I had the same doubts that you do. Put yourself, don't put yourself above them. Put yourself in the same plane as them and say, you know what? I had the same doubts. I had the same questions. And here's what I've come to realize about all these things. And you can share your testimony. In one second, you can share your testimony like that with them. Just get them thinking. You don't have to back them into the corner. Listen, don't, don't cut someone's nose off and then give them a rose to smell. The Indian proverb, right? Just let them start thinking about it. Let, let, let it go. If, if they're ripe and at that moment and, and say, hey, they're like, wow, I never thought of this. Say, well, let's pray right now. Let's get this thing right. But let them ask questions. I heard a pastor say this. He said, the reason why we're uncomfortable about talking about Jesus or inviting people to church is for this reason. It matters. It matters. You see, who wins the Super Bowl this year really doesn't matter. You know why? Because Buffalo's not there. So it really doesn't matter, okay? So it just doesn't matter, okay? So, it, you know, when we think about these things, it really, but, but these spiritual things of life and death matter. And so that's why it's hard for us to talk about those things. But what Jesus was showing us is, listen, if we're going to be missional, then this has got to be in the forefront of our mind always, that these things matter. You see, it's amazing to me how we can talk about everything except the thing that matters most. You see, you're here today because someone went beyond their comfort zone and either invited you or talked to you about Jesus. And so what Jesus does is he speaks into this woman's life the truth. And he reveals the truth to her about her five husbands and the one she has now is, is not her husband. And, and it reveals to her and she perceives that, that, that he's a prophet. And what Jesus does is through God's word, he, he speaks to her what is real. And it's the truth of God's word that changes people's hearts and lives. So let the truth just be the truth. And let pe you don't have to beat it into people's hearts. Listen, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people to Christ. We're just his messengers. We're just the go-between. We're the ones that share what Christ has done for us. We're the ones that ask the questions. We're the one that allows them to get thinking about things. But it's the Holy Spirit that draws, convicts, and ultimately saves. It's by God's grace that does all that. So Jesus definitely cared about souls, and he went beyond what was comfortable and went beyond his comfort zone. And I know for some of you, 
That's the hardest thing for you to do is to actually share your faith. If I were to ask you what's the hardest thing about your Christian walk, you would definitely say, man, there's a coworker, somebody else, and I just don't, you know, just start off. When you know somebody's hurting, just start off by saying, you know what? You're on my heart, and I want you to know that I'm praying for you. You've been on my heart, and I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And open up those conversations and those dialogues that you care for people. You see, this woman didn't blow Jesus off because she knew there was something different about him that, that, that he cared. And so when that begins to happen, those conversations and those dialogues begin to open up. And you can be a wonderful witness and a testimony of who Christ is to be able to share his wonderful message. All right, let me give you the last one here. And this is the one I really want to bring home uh, today and for you guys to truly understand. Here's the reason why Jesus was missional. Jesus was missional because he understood this, this dynamic principle. He understood what happens in a person's life. He was missional because he understood that one life changes another. Jesus understood that when a life is transformed through the power of God's message, he understood that that life is eventually going to transform another life. And that life's going to transform another life. And that life's going to, tra- right? It, he knew that one life is going to change another. Um, I like what he says to his disciples because his disciples didn't completely understand what's going on. And so Jesus says to his disciples at the end of John chapter 435, and he says, listen, do not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. He said, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white or ripe for harvest. Jesus, there are people all around you that need to hear this wonderful message of who I am. And now, listen, the disciples may not have gotten it right away, and they didn't. Jesus had to reiterate all these things before, after his resurrection, before, before his ascension. They didn't get it. But Jesus is laying a groundwork to all his disciples. And what Jesus does is he leads by example, by showing his disciples how to do it. And, and, and Jesus knew full well that, that this changed life of this woman would eventually change other lives. And is that exactly what happened? That's exactly what happened. Listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. When my dad took a step forward and came to Christ as his Lord and Savior, it changed the dynamics of our family. Did it happen overnight? No. But I believe by, by my father taking the example and humbling himself and allowing a man at Kodak at Kodak who his life was changed and my dad noticed his changed life and my dad said, yo, what's up? where they used to talk in the 70s. My dad said, what's up? You're different. He wasn't cussing. And the guy says, man, let me tell you what happened to me, Barton. I, I, I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My dad's like, really? Wow. And this man began to witness to my dad. And in Kodak, God can use Kodak, amen? God can use anything he wants to. This man prayed with my dad at Kodak. And my dad came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. 
Not at a church, not at a revival, not at a crusade, but because there was one man who went out of his comfort zone, follow me, and saw a man who was asking him questions, what's up? And began to witness to my dad and at Kodak, my dad became a follower of Jesus because his life changed, my life changed. And I believe it was because the testament of my father and him standing up that changed the course of our family. Jesus witnessing to this woman changed the course of that town in Samaria because Jesus understood that one life changes another. Many in Samaria from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Wait a minute, pastor. This woman, you don't think the people in Sychar in this little town didn't know this woman's past? She's pretty messed up. Pretty dysfunctional. Many in Samaria from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. For some of you here, you may feel like I can't share my testimony because if people knew my past, they wouldn't believe me because I'm, I'm ashamed of my past. I feel guilty. Guess what? God uses that for his glory. God used this for his glory. Her past did not hinder her from her testimony of Jesus Christ. She says, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him and asked him to stay with them, he stayed for two days. And, and, verse 41, and many more believed because of his word. Then they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. This is incredible to me. Jesus uses messed up people to bring the greatest message that the world has ever heard to hurting people. You see, our job is to bring people to Jesus. Let Jesus change them, will you? Let Jesus change them. You're not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, I, people, listen, I know the world's bad. It's ugly. There's a lot of nasty stuff that happens out there. And we, we're notorious for telling the world where they're at. Okay, duh. Okay, duh. Duh. Okay, I'm just saying, it is bad. It's not our job. It's not our job. Our job is to bring people to Jesus. Let him change them. Notice she didn't get all down on the woman. Well, you gotta, let's go through this before I you know, but you're filthy, you're dirty, blah, blah, blah. He just revealed the truth to her, that's all. God took over and changed her. See, what I love about this woman is her past didn't stop her from talking about God's grace. Amen, thank you. This woman became missional because she went to her community. So the question is, here's how I want to wrap this up.
The question is, how do we become missional then? Because this is my challenge for you today. How can our church become missional? Because this is, this is where we're going, people. This is where we're going as a body. We have to go this way or we will dry up as a body. We've got to go this way. So how do we become missional? Listen, 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 listen. Don't isolate yourself from your community. Don't isolate yourself from your community. Now, when I'm talking personal to you, what I mean by this is don't isolate yourself from your families. When I speak communally for our church, we cannot isolate ourselves from our community. Now, let me, let me, before some of you start getting nervous here, let me explain what I mean. We insulate our hearts with Christ, but we don't isolate ourselves from the world. Does that make sense? God calls us to go into the world, not to become part of the world or to be worldly, but he does cause us to go into the world and into the messiness of the world if we're going to truly be missional. So it's not isolating ourselves, it's insulating ourselves. And churches are notorious for isolating themselves from the community in fear of becoming like them. Now, we can insulate ourselves, but we can't isolate ourselves. Because if we do that, then we just become a group of us four and no more, right? And, and, and we get into our little huddles, our little Christian groups, and we, we throw rocks at the world. Say, Look how bad they are. And we get all worried about, ooh, the world. Ooh, the world. I'm scared. The world. Let me just give you some things that our church has done over the last year. I was thinking about this the other day. And this, this is not going on missions trips and world missions. This is what we've done in our community. We have reached into the lives of over a thousand people. And I'm just thinking, and that's conservative. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Through our school outreach, through our trunk or treat outreach, and we had three to 400 people come onto our campus by having a carnival for them and just loving on them and just having a party. It was fun. Amen? That was fun. We delivered food to the community during Thanksgiving. At a Christmas time, we delivered gifts to children whose parents were in jail. That's being missional people. When we go into the community and we say, listen, we want to tell you that we love you and we're going to meet a need here and we're going to tell you that we love you, that we love you, that we want to serve you. That's being missional. You see, being missional is contextualizing the gospel into our community. Jesus used the well. Let's follow me. Jesus used the well. We use school supplies. Jesus used the well. We threw a carnival on an evil night and said, you know what? We're going to make this fun and, and bright and light 
and holy and we're not going to make it evil. So we contextualized the gospel by taking something that was evil and we made it right. We said, we're going to throw a party for you. We use Thanksgiving as a springboard to bring meals into people's homes. I was able to go into somebody's house and just say, hey, here's my family. Can we just pray with you? And they're like, sure, you can pray with me. Just to tell them we love you and we care for you. We used Christmas as a springboard. Our well was Christmas to go into the lives of families who's, who were hurting because they have a son or a daughter that's incarcerated and we are able to bring Christmas gifts. Otherwise, maybe these children would never have a Christmas, but we come in, share the love of Jesus and say, hey, we used, that was our well. Going into people's homes. And I can remember being at one home seeing a face of this little boy when his grandma said, this gift is from your daddy. And his face just lit up. And we were able to pray with this grandma and just had a holy ghost time in her house and just prayed. That's being missional. That's what it means to be missional. Listen. Some of you here, I love hearing stories. I, I'm, Luke Loomis is on a golf league. And he tells me all the time, I get these conversations with guys all the time. That's being missional. The golf league is your well. Some of you are coaches on your kid's sports team. That's your well. Do you get it? That's your well. That's where you can say, you know what? I'm going to take and I'm going to coach my kid's sports team and I'm going to contextualize the gospel because this is an opportunity that I can get into my community and serve. I'm a chaplain over at the Pines of Peace. I don't have to do that, but I do it because I just, they've asked me to do it one time to help out in need and I love doing it because I'm able to reach into people's lives that I normally may not have been able to reach into that are at the end of their lives and they sometimes need spiritual help. And I've prayed with so many people over there to receive Jesus. It's not even funny. It's just, it's just amazing. See, God wants you to be missional. Use whatever it is to contextualize the gospel to get into the life of our community. That's what we're, that's all we're doing is we're trying to get into the life of our community. Globally as our church and then you individually in your own lives. Let's not isolate ourselves, all right? Let's insulate our lives. Let's not become like the world and stumble and fall and sin. That's not what Jesus is telling us. Let's, let's insulate ourselves. But let's get out into the world and allow God to use us. Whatever you may have, whatever gift God may has given you, whatever by whatever means, use it to become missional. What's your well? Ask God, God, what's my well? And allow God to use it so that his message can go forth. Amen? Good stuff. God is good. Jesus, as we bow our hearts before you today, Lord, I know this, 
this message today is at the heart and is at the core of what you desire us to do. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the way. And God, I pray today that this would be a springboard for us to realize that missions isn't necessarily about going to Africa. Missions is about going into our community and being light and salt. That the world can see who Jesus is. So God, I pray today for every person here that you would just speak to their hearts about what is their well today. What is the thing that you want to use them to be a light in their part of the world, God? Use it, God, for your glory. May we just not see this world and may we not get discouraged and embittered by what happens, but let, it, let us use it as, as an opportunity to get into the world so that, Jesus, you can change the world and you use us to do that. In fact, you've commanded us to go into all the world and make disciples. So God, challenge our hearts today as we lay our lives at your feet. And this is all for your glory, Jesus, not ours, not for living word, not for my name's sake. This is all for your name's sake, Jesus, that your name would become famous in this world. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and let's sing this song. Let God, let this be your prayer today. Amen. Oh dear Lord, won't you hear my 
Amen. Isn't God's word good? His word is so good. And, um, you know, over the next, uh, you know, couple weeks, if, if you could just pray for our missionaries that are coming and, and just pray that, that God would, for this new coming year, just give you, for all of us, including myself, just a greater passion for souls. And how many know that God is not done with us? And God's not through with Ontario. And uh, he's still doing a great work, and he still wants to use us mightily for his, his purposes before his coming back. So God bless you today. Have a great day. Go in God's grace. Amen. Have a good day. Amen.